Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for this time with you that we can be blessed to know you, to be encouraged by you, that everything that we need comes by your hand and your ability. So, Lord, we honor you and we thank you for this time that we have with you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. So today we're going to talk about uh, healing for the soul. Healing for the soul. And uh, there is nobody that doesn't need that. Amen. There is not a person that doesn't need their soul to be healed. Amen. That's just true. Uh, Sin damages the soul. Before it even has an effect on your body, it does damage to the soul. What does that mean? Sin penetrates your thought life, your emotions, and your um, <clears throat> will, it, it memories, it penetrates all areas of the soul and what we call fragments or damages them. It takes them apart from God. Amen. So sin really sets you up for failure because the, the prosperous soul really is the one that, that gets rich. The prosperous soul benefits. So if your soul doesn't prosper, and when we say prosper, what we really mean is come into a richness of God. It comes into into agreement and alignment with the mind of Christ. So really what it means is that your mind now thinks like God thinks. It doesn't think like it did before you were born again. And most of us can attest to that. When we got saved, there was a dramatic change in us. You get changed in, 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 really when your soul first starts to heal, I believe the first thing we find is peace of mind. Like you're not worried about, the first thing you don't worry about is whether you're going to go to heaven or hell. You know, if you're really born again, the reality of heaven settles in on you. The reality of punishment canceled settles in on you. And and you step into eternity which in, in a sure way, in a certain way, in a good way. You, you're not afraid you'll step into eternity to your demise or to punishment or to anything like that. Now, whether or not you feel free from punishment on the earth is up to you to decide between you and God if you're entitled to be punished for your sins while you're here on earth. That takes a little bit more effort. Amen. Most of us have experienced that. Most of it, and some of us experience it now. Sometimes you'll be so intent on doing the right thing when you start messing up, you feel like you'll never find peace with God again. I don't know about you, but I felt like that. And God, where did our peace go? Where did, where did that go? Where, where, where are you? Why am I separated from you? And so that's why the scripture tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That all unrighteousness means an action, thought, will, Deed, so unrighteousness in your thought life. That means guilt, fear, condemnation, 
See, we get cleansed of all of that when we confess our sins. And my my contention is that people don't go after it enough to partake of it. If we pursue it, pursue the ultimate in what the blood has purchased for us. The ultimate is getting that sense like you've never sinned before. You've got to feel like that. If you carry around with you guilt, fear, and condemnation, it's going to lead you to do something else bad. See? Because condemnation tells you you're no good. Why try? Well, God doesn't care about you. Look at what you did right there. He's, you'll never be forgiven. You're never, it's never going to be like it was before with you and God. You're never going to be cleansed again. Amen. And so if we stay in that mindset and let the enemy win on that level, he pretty much will win on the level of your activities. Amen. Sometimes you'll get the impression if you don't do certain things right away, you'll never get a chance. Anybody ever had your mind tell you that? If you, oh, you never gonna get nothing now. Look at how old you are. Look at how long it's taken. Look at how much time has gone by. Look at, look at, look at. I'm looking at the word, devil. Get thee behind me, Satan. Amen. See, we gotta recognize when it's the devil and it's not just us. Sometimes it's the devil playing on our emotions and playing on our weaknesses. You know, that's always a possibility. But but you got to kick him out of there and get over into God's mindset. You know what, devil? I don't care how long it takes me to get this one little thing I'm asking God for. I'm not going to rush. I'm not going to let you push me into anything. See? So you got to take that kind of stand. You got to know when it's not you telling you to do certain things. The devil's a bully. He always pushes us to do things. God leads us through peace. He'll just give you a settling inside of you. Yeah, that's yours. I don't have any problem with you having that. In fact, I want to give that to you. In fact, when you get it, look for exceeding abundantly beyond all you could ask or think. Got me? When we get things ahead of time, they've usually got what I call a bite out of them. Amen. Or if we get them in in a, a place where we don't really fight the devil consistently, he'll manage to get a taste out of that. But thank God he he gives us the authority over the enemy and we can call back what he's stolen sevenfold. Amen. But I really want to get to the point where he steals no more. Amen. That's the ideal place you want to be. And so when you find him stealing, you command that <clears throat> sevenfold return. But you gotta be in righteousness to, to make that happen. Amen. You can't call for that feeling guilty. And you can't call for that feeling like you don't deserve things or you've done something bad or always feeling bad about yourself. You gotta get yourself to where you understand that cleansing aspect of forgiveness. Amen. And so that you can go out and do righteous. Other than that, you won't have confidence in the seed you sow. In fact, many times people just quit sowing. They quit giving. You know, they quit. I've seen that happen sometimes with people. They give less and less of everything to God. Pretty soon they just walk away from serving Him. Why? They've been disappointed in one thing. See, don't, don't, your life isn't based on one answer to one prayer. You see that with single people. They don't want to believe God for a spouse. Amen. 
and they'll quit serving God and just go back to the old life they used to have. You know, just going out with anybody and anything, fighting with them, being unhappy, all of the above. That, that People walk right back into the old life. So we have to be careful to allow our souls to prosper. What does that mean? Your soul grows. Your soul increases in God, not in imagination and not in lack and want, but in God. So your soul begins to prosper. And one of the first signs of soul prosperity is the peace of God comes in and settles in on you and you have a covenant of peace. And what that means is that God will always lead you in the realm of peace. In other words, he will give you his peace to start leading you. And that peace will continue to lead you to every good thing God has for you. If you get to a place where you're irritated and you're not peaceful, then you have to depart from that place and say, God, find my peace again. Let me Give me that thought that gave me peace and I'll continue to meditate on that. Amen. And and see, we don't hold on to the things that give us peace long enough. Amen. We get tired of that after a while. We want to go on to something else. Amen. And and never get bored with peace. It's not a boring uh, spirit. It's not a boring fruit. It's it's full of life and energy. But it's in. You know what? When you get peaceful, God can start to talk to your heart, and He'll start to give you things to meditate on. He'll give you have communion with him, but sometimes we spend so short a time in peace before we picked up some kind of need and want to try to talk about something else and I let me get this going, let me get you know. You put peace in your pocket and then run off in anxiety and run off in fear and, and run off in lack and in want and complaints and what's wrong over here and what's not right over here. We have to learn how to abide in peace. Amen. Let that be your umpire, your resting place, your your spiritual uh um, fortress. Amen. Henry Groover, the, the late prayer walker, uh said that when he first started prayer walking, he he had told God he made this vow to God. He said God he he was limited on time. He was in engineering school. He could only get to church once a week and because he couldn't get to the midweek service because his hours were late and he had to study in school and all of that. So he wound up with one day a week he could really work for God was Saturday. And he told God on Saturday he would pass God, I'm not gonna come in <laughs> come in the house until I passed out all one hundred of these tracks for you. Between a hundred salvation tracks. And he tried to pass them out one Saturday and he got two <laughs> passed out. People didn't want them. And so he got mad and put them in his pocket. Then he said the next Saturday he had 198 to pass out. <laughs> so he goes goes to God again and he talks to God and, and God told him, he said, Well Henry, he said, You he said, You're ashamed to talk to people about me, aren't you? He said, Well Lord, I'm not ashamed of you, but yeah, I am ashamed to talk to people. And so God gave him a plan. See, whenever you have problems with something, God always gives you a plan to correct it in an answer. He doesn't beat you up and say, well, get out there and do it anyway. We do that to ourselves. And so he told Henry, he gave him a simple plan. He said, I'll give you peace and I'll give you a song when I'm leading you in the right direction. 
And Henry, you know, if you ever hear him in church services, he'll just take off singing a hymn or singing some. His song was very important to him. That's how he connected with God all the time. And he said, if at any time you lose peace and you lose a song, go back to the last place you felt peace. Just go pick it up where you left it off, and I'll continue to lead you where you're to go. Well, the short story of it was that he led God led him to uh, stand in front of a bar. And I think Henry was only like 19. He wasn't old enough to go in the bar, and he knew that. So he just continued to stand there with the peace in the song. He said, I attempted several times to walk away. Every time I did it, I lost peace. But when I came back, it was there again. He said, so I stood right there in front of that bar. He said, and in a few minutes, this man came flying out of there. Somebody was fighting. They were beating each other up, and they were brawling. He said, and a man stood in front of me and tried several times to punch me, and he missed every single time. And he said, the people came out and were expecting to see a fight. So before you knew it, the whole bar had emptied outside. This man swinging at Henry can't hit him. And so one man says, he said, he's, he keeps trying to hit him. He can't hit him. That kid's got God on him. Then some man starts weeping over in the corner, and the Lord said, go over to him and give him the first track. And Henry asked him, why are you crying? He said, I was going to kill myself. And I told God if he didn't show up and let me know he was real, by the time I get home, I was going to shoot myself in the head. And he said, he said, God is real. He's, and Henry prayed with him, led him to the Lord. He was gloriously saved. And then after people saw that, they said, what have you got? And he he gave out all 198 tracks in one night. The impossible was possible because he petitioned God for help. God gave him help and he obeyed God. It's just that simple. If we could just put that in our hearts and seal it. Father, thank you. Seal that in us that the impossible is possible. Thank you, Lord. You know, it's wonderful to know that these situations that we think won't reverse will reverse. The things that we think are so hard, God does them, and he does them freely for us. He loves us that much. And so from that, Henry would walk the streets. There was no street that was too dangerous for him to walk. He'd been cornered in alleys by drug lords that held knives to his throat. He was threatened in a cave in in uh, the Middle East by, by Al-Qaeda, caught him in a cave by himself, threatened to skin him alive. And when the, the man came up to him and had his knife out already, Henry, under his breath, forgave him and, and said, God, please save this man's soul. And the man couldn't do anything else to him. He said, he said, what is that? And he said, I'm praying for you. And they only, he was the only one that understood English. And he dropped the knife and they all ran out of the cave. He got in there. Henry always told the devil, it's not my time to die. I am not going to die for Al-Qaeda. I'm not going to die for cancer. Jesus already died for cancer. He died for me. Amen. And that's what I'm talking about, your soul prospering. 
See, we can all have that degree of soul prosperity if we would believe in it, if we would believe in the power of it and that it's worth it to spend the time casting down vain imaginations, picking up what God wants us to know. It's worth it. It pays off for us and the kingdom. You're not going to get anything just for you all the time. You're going to be able to prosper so that you can do the kingdom some good. Amen. And God will take care of your wants. Amen. He'll take care of your needs. But you got to put the kingdom first. Problem is we don't put it first consistently. Do it a little bit. Amen. Everybody believes in tithing because we think we're going to get money back. But if that's an unrighteous act for you, you're not going to get much. You do anything out of the flesh. You got to do it out of righteousness. You got to let God penetrate your heart and show you, you know, what's proper for you to do. Amen. What's, what's the right thing, God? What's the thing I mean? You know, years ago I vowed I wouldn't take a penny for preaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to keep that vow. A couple of times I've run into emergencies and God would say, well, listen, you take something out because you have a need now. See, I'm entitled to it, but I sow it back to him. Most preachers out there don't do that. Some you give your money to. Do you understand what I'm saying? They take the lion's share of everything. And then when somebody questions them, they're angry with them. Don't want to even talk to them. And we're a public trust. We're we're accountable to the public. Everybody who preaches and takes money for it is accountable to the public for what they are doing. You go to the public and ask them to give, then you're accountable to them to show how you steward over it. Amen. And they, you know, many of them use this excuse. Well, well, I write books and that's my money. No, if you're writing gospel stuff, God, God gave you a name that's recognizable. Other than that, your name is just like mine. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I just rather let God make me prominent. If he decides not to, I'm still going to do what he tells me to do. You got me? We've unleashed a lot of covetousness over immature people who don't know how to to get their heart where God wants it to be. That's why so few of them really do prosper in God. You understand what I'm saying? Many of there are many, many wonderful ministers that live very simply, amen. But yet they're stewards over. Billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. We're the average, you know, guy that's trying to be a, a prosperous preacher doesn't even have his hand on millions yet. He's sweating it still. Amen. You can go into debt very, very quickly with that mentality. Because cause lack is, is right here beside you all the time. Once you leave lack and walk far from it, God will continue to prosper and put you put more into your hands. And he'll consider you to be a faithful steward. That's what you want to be. You want to be a faithful steward of what God's given you. Amen.
but I vowed when 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 I met the Lord, I was at home a housewife getting healed and my husband was taking care of me. And I told the Lord, I said, well, you've given us enough to live on with his, him working. I just will work for you. The thought just came to me one day. Give your time over to the Lord and don't worry about finances. God will supply. And he always supplied. Even after my husband passed away, he still supplies. I lost 90% of our income when he died. I lived off a tenth of what he made for forever. I'm still living on Still living on, you know what I'm saying? God takes care of me, folks. When you make up your mind, you're going to trust him with certain things. He blows your mind. Amen. He knows he can trust you with more because you've been a faithful steward. Not that I don't make mistakes. Not that I don't buy things unwisely from time to time, but I repent and I come back and I ask God to help me to be a better steward all the time. I never assume I'm doing everything right as far as money is concerned. And that's how he can release money for me to do things to bless my own family. I bless the household of faith first. You guys come first all the time. You always have. I said, you guys come first all the time, and you always have. See, the Lord says, take care of the household of faith first. You take care of my people first. See, this is why preachers' kids go off the rails. Because the parents don't teach them, listen, this church comes first. God takes care of us. You gotta trust God to take care of you and your family as far as the time you spend with everybody, as far as the resources you give, as far as everything is concerned. Household of faith comes first, folks. When Jesus, Jesus established that. When his, his mother and his brothers wanted to see him, he refused to go. He said, who is my family? He says, these, it's the household of faith. The ones who are sitting here hearing the word. I don't quit preaching the word to go out and take care of nobody. You understand me? It's got to be like that, folks. Or You you know, people say, well, that's kind of hard. I mean, well, you don't know because you don't have kids. I know a lot of things because I don't have kids. Amen? Amen. You don't have turtles either, but you know something about them. See, people want to discredit you. I I don't have to experience everything in the natural to know the right thing to do in circumstances. I know the word. The word will give you the right thing to do all the time. I wish I could put more word into people who have children, to be honest with you. Because you can see people making a lot of mistakes because they don't put the word first. You know, they get into emotional situations and they can't find their way out so all right so god wants our souls to prosper in first no third john one amen he says here one is it three no it's one one two eight oh i'm at the first one no wonder it doesn't look familiar I said third, and then I jumped to, okay, three John, two. Beloved, 
I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Now, this was said under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And it gives you an understanding of God's priority in our lives. Prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. So that's God's order of things. To prosper means to increase in the knowledge of God. To increase in the awareness of God. Increase in the faith of God, certainly. Increase in the love of God. And your, your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions can blossom. You plant the seed of God's word in your heart and let, begin to meditate on it and, and wash your mind in the water of the word. See, it's a process of washing and cleansing your own mind. You do this. You have total uh, freedom to to prosper as much as you desire. This is how it happens. It happens as your soul prospers. And you don't want to skip anything. You don't want to get anxious for material things, even though they will come. But your soul prosperity, it's like, you know, sometimes you, you, it's like if I ever meet so-and-so, somebody you admire, or somebody you, you, um, maybe you read a lot of their books, or you heard a lot of their preaching and stuff like that, and then you think about, boy, if I ever ran into them, the first thing that comes to me is like, what would I say? You know, I mean, because you, if you've read their books, you know what their books do, what do you chat, do you make small, and then you say to yourself, well, yeah, don't worry about it, Lord, it's probably best I don't run into them. Because there's no, there's no connection. There's no kinship. It's just they carry a message that you appreciate, but knowing them personally is a different level. Well, God is the only one that invites us to know him personally. See, when your soul prospers, you know the great one personally, the greatest one. He's sharing things. He's sharing his mind with you. He's sharing his thoughts with you. He's sharing his emotions with you. He's sharing everything with you. The Bible says he condescends to men of low estate. Amen. When when you're born again, you're not low estate anymore. Amen. You're in the kingdom. But even when you were outside of the kingdom, he condescended to you and met you where you were and brought you up, brought you home for dinner and invited you to stay. So guess what? I got a room for you here. Guess what? I got provision for you. Don't worry about going home and picking up anything. You don't need nothing. I got your size. I got what you like. I got everything you need in the refrigerator. I got all of that laid up for you. And I'm inviting you to partake of it just like I do. See, we're joint heirs with him. Joint heirs. Everything that he has belongs to us. He wants nothing from us but to believe him and receive his goodness. And that's what, when your soul prospers, folks. That's when, when you really start to meditate. Not let the word run in or right out of your head over and over again. But really focus in on meditate and say, God, do you really mean this? 
God, this looks so good. You know, that's that's how you you come to a revelation. God wants us to take the time to delve into things, to ask him about it if we're not clear on what it means, to to process it a little bit differently, you know, to grind it up and and mince meat it and you know, ginsu it. You know, you know how those chefs do them, Ginsu, Ginsu masters. That's what we're to do with the word. Just get it to where it's, it's baby fine, palatable for us. Amen. My mother used to like some sausage that she said, yeah, I like that country sausage. And so we would get it from time to time. There was a little store where, you know, you had to kind of go out of the way to get it. And uh, she told me, she said, you know what? She said, this is similar to it, but it's not quite the same thing. And so she had gone down. Did she go down and visit her? No, we had some relatives, though, in um, Georgia where she was from. Albany, not Albany, like New York, but Albany, Georgia. So, right. So, so we, um, my husband and I were driving down to Florida one year for Christmas. We had some time off. We said, yeah, let's, let's get in the big Lincoln and drive. <laughs> we weren't Cadillac people then. <laughs> but anyway, we, we had a big car. It was comfortable. We feared we had enough time off. We drive. So we stopped at my mother's home in Albany. And they sent, my cousin came by and she said, yeah, we, we got you some pecans. And I said, you and about 10 other people have, <laughs> <laughs> she said, I don't know, your mom likes our sausage, so I got her some sausage to take with her. So I was so excited for the sausage. We, you know, we put them in a cooler and stopped periodically to get more ice on the cooler and all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, when we got it home, I, I couldn't wait. I said, Ma, I said, can, I said, well, have one. Oh yes. Yeah. She sent plenty. She sent plenty. Go on, eat you some. Take you some home. And when I bit into it, it was like, well, this don't even talk. It tastes like sausage at all. It tastes more like a hot dog because it was ground up real fine. And I didn't realize that, but there, there's a different standard in the South, in Albany, amen, where, uh, you know, some people like their meat coarsely ground. You know, we call a Frankfurter or Wiener that because of the grind of it. They call, we call sausage sausage because it's a coarser grind. But their sausage had that fine grind to it. And she said, yeah, you know, she said, I like them other things you buy up here. She said, but they give me gas. I get indigestion. But with those, you didn't. And that's what you do when you meditate on the word and process it. You you don't get any indigestion. It's easily digestible. The finer it's ground, the more it's thought about. Huh? The easier it is for you to understand. You can get your own revelation. Instead of waiting for the word to come forth and you grab that and lose it after a while. Amen. It's like when we preach here, you know, we get revelation all the time from the Holy Spirit because he's active and alive and wanting us to get it. Amen. But see, if you don't take it home and further digest it for yourself, 
Amen. It'll go out of your head as quick as it came in there. So that's why many of you will get the tapes or go back over the notes or whatever you do. You're wanting to get it and make it a part of you. Put it into your heart so you can grow, so your heart can be strengthened by the word, so your mind can be strengthened, your body can be strengthened. Amen. So it's it's so that we can prosper and be in health in proportion to your soul prospering. Why does he not want you to prosper ahead of your soul? Why is that not advisable? You ever hear people that get healed in a meeting and then go home for a week or two and they're right back sick again? See, their souls never got it. Their souls never prospered enough so that when they went home, the only thing they thought about was what they thought about in the meeting. You ever been to a meeting and everything's real good and you go home after, you know, maybe it lingers a few days and you go home and you think, bummer, here I am when this, or you go to work, man, and that's when it really kills it. It is a buzzkill, as they say. Everybody's job is that, that. And that happens. It happens to everybody. So that's our, our fight to wrestle, to hold on to what God gave us. That causes us to prosper. And once you see it's a decision you make, you either decide to hang on to that or you decide to get involved in the everyday nonsense that goes on at work or in the house or with the relatives or with this person, with that person or with your your bank or with whoever it is that you're you're doing you you're doing business with or battling against all of those things. And so when you make the decision, no, I'm not going to let go of my buzz. I'm going to hold on to my buzz. Amen. And you continue to grab that word that gave you life and not let it go. That's when you hold on to it. Amen. You know, we we try to meditate on that scripture. Affliction will not rise up a second time. But you know what? As, as much as I personally have said it, tried to hold on to it. When symptoms hit you, is a whole different ball game. You know, it's uh, well. If it, it won't rise up a second time, why is it rising up? And you, you understand what I'm saying? But you have to make the decision to say, no, it will not rise up. The devil, if that's you, I'm hitting you with it, and I'm hitting the symptoms with. It. I'm hitting everything with it. And 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 make sure you make the statement. That you originally made before the symptoms showed up. Amen. You got to go back to what you originally said. The devil's, you know, a con man. And he, he's always trying, you know, to put us down, to put confusion in the game, to steal. And how does he steal? Through deceiving us. He doesn't just take something from you or put symptoms on you. You know, people say things like, well, ever since I've been doing so-and-so, the devil's been... Do you know that's a spirit of superstition that has nothing to do with anything? The devil's not after you because you do so much for God. If you do so much for God, make him leave. That's part of what you do for God, too. You don't have to put up with his nonsense. Amen? It's just superstition. And see, if he can deceive us into thinking, every time I do something for God, the devil shows up, he'll wear you out. 
Because a little bit by little bit you quit doing anything for God. See, you talk yourself out of everything that God has for you just by trying to figure out in the natural, well, that, that came on me and what does that mean? And that came on. You don't process like that. You hit the devil with the word. I don't care why you did it, devil. You getting out of here. You did it because you're the devil. And you're my enemy and my adversary. What does a newborn baby do to to cause the devil to come and want to put sickness on it? Nothing. He's just a mean devil. If he do that to a newborn baby that's not doing anything for God, he'd do it to you too. And if he can get you to think it's because you're doing something for God, you quit doing it. Trust me. Once you start believing that, you'll start watching yourself. Faith doesn't watch itself. Do you hear what I said? Faith doesn't watch itself. What did the apostles ask for when we got put in jail? Give us boldness. 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 Not caution. Not watching ourselves. Boldness. Now talk about some people that the devil was mad at, but that didn't stop them. They knew what to ask for. You don't Pat yourself on the back because you think you're doing so much for God. You're doing the minimum usually. People that talk like that don't do much for God. You you understand what I'm saying? Because if they did, they'd know to keep going. They'd know to keep going. And sometimes they know better, but they you can get into a place where you don't quite trust. See? Sometimes you feel like you got too much face in you. You've been bombarded on every side with these things. But you can still say no to the devil. I don't care how much he bombards you. You can still say no to him. Cry out to the Lord. God, I got a list of ailments and it's getting longer and longer. Help! <laughs> you got me? And just, just, just believe that you're healed from every ailment. Thank you, Jesus. Even the ones I don't see yet. <laughs> Amen. I'm healed from every ailment. So it's the wish of the apostle and the wish of God is that we prosper and be in health even as our souls prosper. If you do that, you won't get in trouble with anything. Amen. And you'll never lack. Because soul prosperity is the price you pay for the blessing. See, that's the price. To prosper in your soul is the price for prospering in the natural and the price for health in the natural. You gotta spend time in the word. You gotta spend time with God. You gotta spend time saying no to the devil, yes to God. Wrestling is whatever it is that confronts you. You got to cast it down. That's kind of like mental work, folks. It's, it's, you know, it's study, it's prayer, it's meditation that leads to lifestyle. Amen. When you're prospering in your soul, you, God will lead you to the place of the deposit of wealth in your life, in the natural. He will lead you to the place of the deposit of health in your life, in the natural. When is you, if you just continue to do that, let, don't let yourself get distracted. Amen. Don't let yourself get drawn off. Into having some kind of fit because God put money in your pocket. 
or having some kind of excitement that the world has because of material things. See, if you know this world is not your home, you won't be so concerned about accumulating a lot of stuff while you're here. Well, if I came to Miss Juana's house and stayed with her for the weekend, do you expect me to back a a U-Haul up and empty the contents of my house into her home? I'm not staying. You got me? I'm just here for a visit, just a sojourn. But why do believers put so much focus on material things? Prospering. You know, you see on Facebook a person get a new car and they got it plastered all over Facebook. They get a new house. They got it plastered all over Facebook. Amen? I'm trying to get rid of one. I never put on Facebook. I wouldn't bore people like that. I wouldn't insult God like that. He gives me a presence and a name so that I can exalt him. Not material things. Well, God blessed me with it. You don't know that. I said, let me, let me ask you one question. Is it cash paid for and all your bills paid up? Question. Oh, question. See what I'm saying? Now you blessed you with that. <laughs> it's true. You know, devil's such a con man. He get the saints in the con in each other. I sit up there and look at these people and they're so full of pride and so full of self aggrandizement. You know, you look at them and they say, I'm just grateful to the Lord. Sure you are. Why you got a different video of yourself every time I look up and you're not doing anything spiritual? Huh? Just a thought. See, God is not mocked. Whatsoever you sow, you reap. You know, and when you sow publicly, he has to, what, reward you publicly or pay you off publicly. So we go watch stuff like that. There are people that get on there and you see them all the time doing this and then they disappear. And you wonder what happened to them. Amen. They don't even say anymore. But they disappeared where they were the hot commodity not too long ago. See what I'm saying? And so God is constantly checking his people, correcting his people for his glory and for your own good. Amen. He wants you to leave this earth saved and serving him and prospered in the right way. So it's it's to prosper and be in health even as our souls prosper. That's God's desire for us. Not ahead of your soul prospering. And you can't get behind your soul prospering because the blessings come upon you and overtake you when it's the season for you to reap. Your harvest. Amen. So you don't have to worry about God paying you off at the right time. You have to bug him about how long it's been. All you have to do is stay in faith and stay in expectation of good. And good comes to us all the time. Amen. We just don't see it as good because we're waiting on something else. And if we ain't got it yet, it's like a baby. We throw a tantrum. Huh? Well, I know he did that for me yesterday, but I know he, I know, I know. 
You know, you tell somebody, honey, look at all God's done. I know. I said, get your little I know devil out of here. You know, you don't want who wants to stick their head in a, in a bus all the time? You don't even want to encourage people like that. Amen. Because they want to take your head off. Because they're mad at God. Because he didn't give them what they, I've been waiting all this time. What have you done for him? What have you done to encourage your own household? What have you, when is the last time you got a 10, 12 year old daughters? When was the last time you took them in and, and cleaned their room with them and showed them how to keep their rooms clean? Or showed them how to cook dinner? Or how to even go shop for dinner? Oh, I forgot. You don't go shopping for dinner. You just stay in the fast food line all the time. You understand what I'm saying? And you waiting on you mad at him because he don't give you something. Your soul hasn't even prospered enough to know what God expects of you. See, we got to know these things, folks. What are you here for? I'm here as a witness. We'll get to witnessing. Get to getting. Hmm? Witnesses testify what they see. What's God done for you lately? What seed did you sow that he caused to grow that you could share with somebody about that? Huh? Before you start looking for everything. Amen. Go sow some seed. See, the prosperous soul is about the father's business. When your soul is prospering, you're doing what God put you here to do. Amen. And it's always kingdom first, folks. The devil will fight you on this tooth and nail. Well, you can't neglect your family. Most of us are far from neglecting anybody. That's never your problem. Problem is always doing too much for self. That's the kingdom's number one competitor is self. Amen. Doing too much for self. Amen. So, so we have to allow that process to take place. God will give you a thought. He'll remind you of a scripture you read recently. If you'll take the time with him. And he's not going to let you squeeze him in on top of something else all the time. He's going to demand a certain level of attention and respect. Because his word says so. Just give your this word your full attention. Amen. Now I'm guilty as everybody else sitting up looking at a device and sitting up. You know, your your hands will get nervous, jumpy or something if you're not clicking some screens or clicking something or, you know, I, I've long since divorced the television because that used to be the biggest enemy, you know, is you just let it, turn it on and let it run. I don't turn it on. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because I know the snare that it can be. I'm too much, There's I'm too behind in my mind in the things I need from God. I always am. So I'm always trying to play catch up. God, I want to do this more. I want to see that more. I want to see you do this more. I want to help you do this more. I want to do my part in this more. So you can't do all this more watching television. Amen. You know, it's, it's, it's a rare thing where it, I get more than a couple hours, you know, and that's not every day. Some days, you know, there's not much that I do. Now I got to fight the devil with the, the, you know, Phone, cell phone, and the, you know, smartphone, smarter than everybody on the phone, whatever it is. You know, there's always a distraction to fight. 
We gotta be on guard to fight all of them. Amen? So, so God wants us. He wants this for us. We've got to let our souls prosper. If we don't, we'll be a train wreck on the way to happening. And we'll be a train wreck that happens, you know, different times in our lives because we don't have the leading because we don't have the renewal in our minds enough to think like God does all the time. He doesn't want you to have a carnal thought. Jesus died to save you from carnal thinking. Amen? It's fearful thinking. There's nothing good about your soul outside of what God can do in restoring it and healing it. Amen? So you want to avoid carnality. You don't want the carnals to come (laughs) to your door and let them in. Because they're always trying to get back at us. Well, you know, if you don't do this now, you know, when you know when are you going to have time to enjoy something? And you've been enjoying your life all along. Because it was there for you to enjoy. Why didn't you enjoy it? Huh? Why do you let the devil push you in a corner now and convince you your life is not enjoyable unless you do certain things? See? And so when when our souls prosper... God knows with this is this is due season. This is part of the due season of our reward that comes in obeying God. Amen. Your your soul prosperity determines your due season in the natural. Amen. If He gives it to us ahead of time, it'll either ruin us or discourage us that it's not real. See a lot of people that have gotten healed and then lost their healing because they go back into carnality. God can't keep your body well if you're totally feeding your soul all the time with nonsense. Huh? A lot of crazy wishes, a lot of crazy. You understand what I'm saying? Just keep your pace with God. And if that stuff is for you, it's up ahead. It'll come. You'll walk into it as a matter of fact. You won't even have to send for it. One day you'll look up and everywhere you look, blessings. Amen. Like the word promises us. So how does this happen? How does God plan for our sin? Sin caused death and disease and damage to the human soul. If God does not intervene and heal our souls, there is no help for us. So our only help is God. Your only help is meditating on the word. Your only help is trusting the word. Amen. Your soul is sick when sin makes an impact on it. And whose sin, whose, whose soul has sin not made an impact on? You hear people say it all the time. Well, you know, I didn't have this when I was growing up and, and I was in foster and, you know, I was this and I was that. Everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a past. Everybody's got a story of a damaged soul. Sin does that. Even if you don't do anything big yourself, you know, your your mind constantly wants to sin. The carnal mind desires to sin. So we all have some degree of sickness of the soul. Amen. Sometimes it's not as as evident. In some people's lives, you know how some people can have pretty decent life, even as sinners, but they're still locked out of the presence of God. See, and that's a sickness in itself, especially if you learn to to live your life and enjoy life without him. 
Amen. On the level that you can. So, so sickness of soul includes things like mental torment, which is fear, upset, agitation, dysfunctionality of different degrees. Some people are so passive they could care to get up in the morning. Some people are so paranoid they're afraid of everybody and, and angry at everybody and uh, defensive and, and you know, biting and, and piercing, you know, that kind of stuff. That's a damage, that's a tormented soul. It's been damaged. We have wrong or disturbing emotions, <clears throat> emotions of guilt, fear, and anxiety. We also can have mental weariness. You know, dread, lack, you don't want to face certain things, you don't want to confront certain things because you don't feel you have the mental energy to withstand that, you know. It's like, oh boy, not that again, I don't want to face that. Put it off another day. Amen? Sometimes you can have severe apprehension about things. Just something goes off in you and you don't want to have anything to do with it. Amen? People who are violent and aggressive have damaged souls. They're, they do bad things. They're not necessarily bad people, but they've had some damage there. Amen. They don't have peace in their souls. So God created the soul to have rest and peace. Even from the book of Genesis, man rested with God on the, on the seventh day. Amen. And he hadn't even sinned yet. God rested too. And he, there's nothing wrong. God's holy. So, so there's nothing wrong with rest, even for the righteous. You don't have to have your, your body quit on you to sit down and rest or to get peace about yourself or take time to meditate with God or meet with God, get in his word and study some. That's rest. Amen. When, when, uh, God created rest for our souls so we could have fellowship with Him. So when we receive the peace of God that passes all understanding, Amen, then our souls can rest in hope. Psalm 16 verse 1. So thankful David was a psalmist and a prophet as well as a warrior because he'd been through everything. Still came out serving God. Amen. So in 16, he says, verse 7, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My reins or the reins of my heart also instruct me in the night season. So in other words, when he's asleep, God's talking to him. God's ministering to him. He said, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. In other words, this man had fought giants, lion, bear. 
He gives all glory to God. He knows it's God that enables him to do it. And he never loses sight of that. He says, therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh shall also rest in hope. There's no point going to sleep if you can't be hopeful before you put your head on that pillow. Amen. You don't go to sleep with dread and fear on you because that will be your companion in the night season. What does he say here? He says, God gives me counsel. My reins or my heartstrings will also instruct me in the night season. So even when he's not awake and conscious of God speaking to him, there's a place in his heart where God speaks to him while he's sleeping. In the night season. How does that happen? He fills his mind with the goodness of God. He allows God to be the last thought that he has when he goes to bed at night. And then the first thought that he has when he wakes up in the morning. That's how you stay in peace and your flesh rests in hope. Amen. Your soul begins to rest in hope. So your flesh begins to expect good things. God, I'm going to get up in the morning and do good things. I'm going to have an opportunity to do this, to bless so-and-so, to do this, to accomplish that, all of those things. And then time for me to do things that bring me joy, the work of my hands. Amen? That's what you do. You don't go to bed dreading anything. Not your job, not your boss. Don't give the devil that kind of power over you in the night season. Amen? You go to bed hopeful. God, tomorrow when I wake up, there's a new mercy for me. Everything's going to be good. It's going to be all good in the morning. Amen. I'm expecting goodness and mercy to greet me in the morning when I wake up. And to make sure that happens, get up in the morning and say, I will bless the Lord. God, I bless you for sustaining me through the night. I thank you that this is a new day. My foot will not slip. I will not be moved. I will follow you the whole day. No turning back. No turning around. No being deceived. No being discouraged. I'm going to walk with you the whole day, Lord, and not lose uh, hold of your unchanging hand. And just make that your faith. Make that your confession. <clears throat> you can't do any more than that. After you do that, you've dedicated your time to him. That's all he wants for us to ask him in, invite him in. Come on in, God. Do what you do for me. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So, so our flesh will rest in hope. Amen. The, the, uh, Jesus. Let me turn to Jeremiah 6.16 because I have that written down and I believe there's something in it for us. So I hope there is. Jeremiah 6. Come on now. Jeremiah. Okay, so this is this. Thus saith the Lord, 16, stand ye in the ways or in the road and see and ask for the old paths wherein is the good way and walk in it and you shall find rest for your soul. One translation says, uh, find the ancient paths, the way that works, Jeremiah 6, 16, okay, the way that works with God. 
an established thing. You know, when I lose my way or I'm disgruntled or I can't get peace somehow, you know what I do? I go to God and I say, God, forgive me. I lost the path. Put me back. See, the ancient path is the blood. It's always the blood-washed pathway. Whenever you go into the blood, you go back into that ancient way before the foundation of the earth to find your way back to God. Adam and Eve were given that blueprint of the blood being the path back to God. Cain and Abel knew about it because their parents did. They knew what to do. They both made sacrifices. Abel made the appropriate one. Cain just made up what he wanted to do. You know what that reminds me of? People that don't want to confess the thing they know they did. They want to dance around it, talk about something else. Or they want to blame somebody else for what they did. You got me? See, they won't find their way back. They don't take the ancient path. The ancient path is confessing that you did wrong. You know you did wrong. What's new? You know, we act like this is something like we never do anything. You know, oh, this is just such earth thing. You mean, you mean I actually sinned? Yeah, you did. Uh, you're sinning now with your nonsense and your shenanigans. See, we put it off and put it off. You put off confronting that in face of the blood. God's not looking for you to blame you for anything. He blamed his son already. You don't blame two people for one crime. You, he's got the one that paid the price for it. And if you'll confess that and appreciate what Jesus did, he'll let you go free. Problem is, can we let ourselves go free? See, we got to learn how to stay there until we're cleansed. Cleanse is something that you're responsible to stay there and let it be taken care of for you. Amen. If if you take your car into a car wash, your car doesn't put up his arms and say, oh, get me right here and get me right there. and Get behind the ears. Oh, he's just going through. That's what we do when we're cleansed. We go through the blood. And we should come out clean on the other side. If we don't, it's because we don't expect to be cleansed. Now, there's a lot of people that don't. They don't even look at that scripture. Because they walk around with, with condemnation, dirt. They're always looking for somebody that uh, is doing wrong to, that they can find fellowship with. You know? Sure they are. You know, I give you, well, a good example, we all know it from here. There's people that leave this ministry, the first thing they do is go call somebody that left and talk to them. Huh? Or if they call you, they want to call you and see if they'll, you'll listen to them complain about the ministry. They have such guilt and condemnation, they gotta spread it around. Let the devil use them. That's why we tell people, leading people alone. You don't even know how to restore yourself. You gotta come up to the altar to get your needs met. Now you're a pastor, you know how to go out and find lost sheep and restore them. No, you just want to hear something. Got itching ears. Huh? 
<laughs> you'll pay for it. People with itching ears always pay the price. Huh? They always do. Amen. So, but I'm, I'm convinced of better things for us in this room. Amen. Amen. Be more, more selective about your company. Always, always want to be around people who can bring you up instead of dragging you down. Amen. Bring you up a few notches. You know, show me what it's like to live in perfect harmony with God. I don't know how to do that. That's why I keep falling back trying to find old people I used to know. A lot of times people do that. They get, you know, the saints, they can't get no action with the saints. They start thinking about, well, you know, when I used to be in college, I used to go out with so-and-so. We used to do that and used to do this. See people doing all kind of crazy things, trying to create something. When God has a full life before us every day, he has a table set for us, just for us. He's given you a place at the table. It's got, you got a place card with your name on it written in the blood of Jesus. He expects you there every day. And he expects you there as often as you want to be there. Amen. With no, no limits on anything. He'll commune with you all day long. Talk to you all day long. Amen. Amen. And we should be wanting to do that. Amen. Solomon was visited by the Queen of Sheba. She was as powerful almost as he was, you know. I mean, as far as governing numbers of people, land, and all that kind of stuff. And it says she sat and communed with him the whole time she was visiting. Nonstop. Why? Because he was pouring God's wisdom and knowledge and understanding into her ears, and she couldn't get enough of it. That's why Jesus told the Pharisees, the queen of Sheba will come and condemn you because you didn't have as much, you don't have as much attention to God and the word as she did. The queen of the south, amen, that's who she was. She'll come and, and condemn your generation because she listened to the wisdom of Solomon and you don't even have, here's one wiser than Solomon's right here talking to you, you don't pay any attention to him. What are, what's going to happen to us as believers if we neglect this? The things God's left for us. If we keep saying we can't do it or we don't have time or I just, I don't know how to do it. Just stop, you know, get a grip on yourself and understand your soul can prosper. The Bible says the interest of his word gives light and understanding to the simple. That means you don't need education. You don't need uh degrees. You don't need. In fact, you kind of look at some of them people with degrees, and if they what comes out of their mouth don't measure up, you think, huh? What school did you go to? Hmm? And unfortunately, the church is probably the worst culprit. We're supposed to have the most integrity, and we'll give a, a doctorate to anybody. You know, I've read some books. People say, well, yeah, this was my doctoral thesis. That's it really is called a dissertation. To be honest with you, a thesis is for a master's level. So they're even in a school that's calling it the wrong thing. And it's nothing but, you know, copy and paste. 
the whole work is copy and paste, not even footnoted properly. Now, if you're copy and paste in your own sermons or you're copy and paste in some, some scriptures and you denote it as that, that's one thing. But you don't fool people. You know, and you know, people in the world kind of look at us and think, this is what Christians really do? Huh? Even the ones that come from theology schools. Somebody I read recently that, that Harvard University's School of Theology just appointed an atheist as the dean over the school. But yet they will look down on us because we credential people who don't really earn it, you know, so to speak. Not by their standards and not by any real standards either. You know, a lot of people shouldn't be doing some of the things that they do. And we know that. So So, God gives us rest for our souls. Amen. Did we get that out of Jeremiah uh, 6.16? Amen. It says... Walk, go to the ancient path. Go to the way of the blood. The path is always what the blood has carved out for us. And you'll find your way back. Just like he told uh, Henry Groover, go to the last place you had peace and a song and, and I'll find you there. And then I'll take you forward to where you need to go. But Brother Hagen used to tell people that, you know, they would, he would preach all the time, you know, he, he, came into contact with so many thousands of people through the Rama school and through his ministry throughout the years. And his standard um, advice to people is, well, Brother Hagen, I, I don't know what happened. We used to be blessed. We used to do. He said, go back to the last place where you were blessed. And oftentimes people would hang their heads. You know why? Because they broke fellowship with the people who were blessing them because they let the devil talk them into thinking that they were a problem. That's always going to happen. You know, when you're a minister, you got put up with stuff. Now you got people who come and, oh yeah, I just love it here. God sent me here and it, you know, and then all of a sudden they're mad and they leave. Huh? You don't even know what they're mad about. They just let the devil upset them. They don't have enough integrity of, of spirit to fight off, to know this is a trick that the devil pulls on everybody. He'll get you to disconnect. You go out wandering the wilderness. You know, he'll have you without a home, without a roof over your head. He'll strip you clean. Where you used to belong to God, you used to wash the saints' feet, so to speak. You understand what I'm saying? God had elevated you and allowed you to to look into some things that you've never seen before. They They've been in the midst of the supernatural power of God. They've laid hands on people and God's healed them. But yet they'll go, they get angry about petty things. Things that they've caused to happen to themselves. Amen. And go right back out into the world. They have no thought, no remorse. See, that's the power of deception. That's why you gotta get your soul renewed. You mind renewed. You start fighting off things, thoughts like that. You know, at least if nothing else, Thoughts like that should put you under conviction that you're being disloyal to the place that God placed you, that's nurtured you and taught you, fed you, clothed you, amen, taught you how to dress. You know, a lot of people walk into church looking very, very exotic and worldly. 
And then that spirit of conviction comes on them and they start learning how to look like on the outside what they are on the inside. God puts a cloak of dignity on all of his children. Amen. And so you're going to leave all of that and because you're mad because of something God told you to do and you don't want to do it or something you thought he was. You let your whole Christian future hang on one one prayer getting answered when you want it to be answered. And you go out in the world and it's not answered out there either. Hmm. Then you know you've been hoodwinked. Amen. It's the truth. The devil's laughing at you. You know he's laughing at you, but you refuse to do this. Find the ancient path. Find the good way. Find what it was it that brought you to God to begin with. What was it that gave you peace and fellowship with God when you were a new Christian? Find that path. And most people will find, you know what it is? I've had bitterness in my heart for years about things I thought God was shortchanging me on. So you're not mad at the church. You're not mad at the ministry. You're mad at God. That's why God told Samuel, he said, don't, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Amen. You're just my representative. So get over it. Amen. But they're rejecting me because I told you to say these things to them. And so when we understand that there is a way back to God, you got to keep finding it. I mean, if you find it every five minutes and run back there, God, I miss you again. Let me go. Like Henry Groover, he missed him. He said every time he would move away from being in front of that bar because he was determined that that wasn't where God wanted him to be because he couldn't go in. So God didn't let him go in. He brought the bar outside. See, <laughs> so so we have to follow peace. We have to follow, you know, if your heart's troubled by something, if you're getting anxious about something, you, thank you, you gotta get your mind renewed in the word. A lot of times people just let the devil pressure them. Well, God was gonna send you a husband, he, look at how old you are. Look at, look at this, look at that, look at the other, look at, look at, look at how long it's been. Your devil is gonna be another ten years, but I ain't taking anything that you send me. You're not pushing me to do something that I'm not supposed to do. And I'm not going to get blessed ahead of time. My blessing will be here on schedule. Why? Because I keep schedule with God. I make my business to be where he tells me to be when he tells me to be there doing what he tells me to do. So you get out of here. You and I don't have any. We don't have nothing in common no more, devil. We are. We is officially divorced. Amen. Well, divorce something, divorce the devil. Amen. <laughs> Follow God. Because he wants to bless us. We can never have any more assurance of the blessing of God than when we start to meditate on his word. That's where you get your assurance from. You can read the Bible and, and get an idea for something he wants you to have. But you get assurance through meditation. Amen. You get strong consolation. Meditation is is how the blood is applied to your 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 thought life, amen. To your soul, you just begin to meditate and meditate and meditate, and then all of a sudden something's poured out on your brain, and you have a full assurance of faith that God's going to give it to you, and you cannot be moved. And if you don't get it, ask God to give it to you. 
God, I want that kind of faith. I want it so I know that I know that I know and I cannot be moved. I can't be pushed. I can't be bullied. I can't be coerced. And I can't be coddled into doing something that's not of God. And God will do It's up to him to convince us, folks. When the Bible said Abraham was fully persuaded that not about the baby, but what God had promised. That promise could have been anything. See, where we make our mistakes, a lot of times we get persuaded of things that we know we could do. Huh? What you want to be is fully persuaded of anything. Because I was thinking, I said, Lord, I said, you put a 90 and 100 year old couple in the Bible and gave them a bill. You renewed their bodies and they had a son. I said that he said, I put that in there so that people will have it on record that nothing is impossible with me. He said, everybody believes me for children until they can't in the natural conceive anymore. When they can't in the natural conceive, everybody loses interest. He said, I don't want my people to lose interest in anything ever. So I put that in there. He could have given them children earlier. You understand what I'm saying? He waited. He said, and I had to wait on Isaac just like they had to wait on him. Got me? He's in it with you. But he put that there so we could never go to anything and say it's impossible for God. Job went through what he went through so we could say God restores and allows you to be joyful in it. You didn't see where Job didn't like his new kids and all his wealth the second time because he was still toe up about what happened before. No, when God brings uh goodness to you, he brings mercy and joy. He brings all the fruit of the spirit. He might have had a moment or two where he might have thought about it, but then he would shake it off and say, look at what I have here, God. I thank you for what you bless me with. See, you have no regrets, no lamentations, nothing like that. Because the blood is able to restore us to the perfect place of understanding, peace, and fruitfulness with God. That's the ancient path. Amen. It's the path that the blood has laid out for us. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word, for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for peace and security. Thank you, Lord, for full assurance of faith. We don't have to doubt and waver about anything that you've done for us. That's such a blessing, Lord. Oh, my goodness, to have that peace of mind and no doubt on top of it. Well, let me let me just say this. If If there's doubt in your life, it's because whatever it is that causes you to doubt, there was doubt there all along. Doubt produces doubt. So ask God to help you to fight doubt at every single juncture, every single corner, every single place that comes. It's, it's, you know, he used to tell me, he said, you know, if if you weren't doubting, you would have what you're asking me for already. He said, but ask me to help you to, to fight the doubt. He said, everybody's got to do this. He said, there's no condemnation here. He said, this is a fight that you all have to undertake. So it's a fight to stay in faith. Amen. The good fight. It's it's won already. So we can do this. We can have Abraham's faith. 
we can have Abraham's everything because it's laid up for us. But we got to do what Abraham did, okay? And and God will teach us how to do it. It's about walking with God. He said, walk before me and be thou perfect. So this is you and God. He'll help you to get Abraham's faith. Amen. But you got to take it to him. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. We thank you for goodness and mercy that follows us. Thank you for the faith of our father, Abraham. He's the father of us all. Thankful we, that you left us him as an example because he's a great one. And we want to live up to that, Lord, because it's there for us. And we thank you for the opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. And praise God, amen. 